our biological overlord doesn't believe that we're Boston Celtics fans too. He says, how can a toaster be a basketball fan? We say, you should all go to punchingsideways.com and post spam on his website about the Los Angeles Lakers. Hey, what are you at? Josh here. Today I'm speaking quickly with a friend, Connor Williams. Con is a local Wagga guy. He spent a lot of time in Aubrey Wodonga at gigs, and that's how I met him through different bands. And he's done some stand-up. He's also done that in Boston where he's based now, and we talk a little bit about that in today's conversation. And really, this is a chunk of a call that we were just trying to get the technology right, really, just to see how it would go, what we can maybe improve for the future. And there was a few really interesting little tangents that we went on. So this is just me checking in. What did you guys think about the NBL game last weekend? And for those that don't know, there was a local game, Battle of the Border from Memory, hosted by the Bandits, the Aubrey Bandits, featuring the new Melbourne team, the South East Melbourne Phoenix and the Illawarra Hawks. I don't think either team was at complete full strength. And I know particularly the Melbourne team had a few players out. You hear a lot about the cult of personality on the internet and social influences and Insta models and all that bullshit. But I think I experienced it in a really almost positive way with Lamelo Ball, who's one of the Ball brothers. His brother's a Laker and his dad's famous for being this huge personality in America and around the world. He made people happy just for being himself. Exceptional athlete, a really interesting skill set as well as a basketball fan. He can do things I don't really think I've ever seen before, at least not with my own two eyes. Teardrop floaters basically almost at the three-point line, and it never looked like missing. It was just a perfect arc, and I don't think I've ever seen that in watching a lot of semi-professional and professional basketball in my life. He needs to probably learn how to shoot to be a true superstar, but exceptional athlete. Like, he turned the Jets on a couple of times, and you're like, whoa, that's a premium athlete. But just the vibe in the stadium when he had the ball just had people happy and excited. So where I'm going with that is, obviously there's cult of personality that can be really destructive, and we don't have that much of it in the local area, because except for maybe Lauren Jackson types. And when it comes to celebrity and ego, she might be the most ego-free person of that level of celebrity you would ever meet in your life. So just to see people happy that Lamello was there, and I hope I'm getting his name right, because everyone was just chanting, Melo, 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 and that was also weird. But apparently the guy stayed around for hours after the game, met all the kids that wanted to meet him, get a photo, etc. Pretty cool. And also the, the fact that we're getting that level of sporting event, even though it's only a pre-season game, and... There's a global context to a local sporting event. It's pretty fucking sweet. Okay, we'll jump in with Connor now. As I said, just a little introduction to him as a person. And yeah, this is the good stuff from a technical call. Just to figure out if we can make the interwebs work. Lastly, I did an open mic set last week. Tried all new stuff. Bombed 90% of the set big time. Was more nervous than I expected to be. Had other things on my mind job hunting, etc., etc., And I wasn't probably as focused as I needed to be considering I was doing all new stuff. But there was one or two funny B 
bits in there that I was confident about and they got a good reaction. So the work continues on the comedy thing and thank you to anyone who came down. The other comics were all really good that night, particularly former guest Oliver. He said some real, real funny stuff and where he's going with some of those stories, they're going to be absolute classics once they're perfected and they're ready. Okay, this is Connor Williams coming to you from Boston and me from Albury-Wodonga. Okay, let's do it. It looks like you've been super busy. Yeah, I've been flat out since March. I started doing background extra work. And from there, I just became basically a production assistant because fuck being a background extra. It's, <laughs> it's, it's no boring. Good. It's Yeah, okay. Does that mean you're they put you in the shot to see how to look for lighting and all that sort of stuff or you're not involved? No, like a, like a background actor is like a, is like a passerby in a scene. Like the easiest way to explain, you know, when um, in Jay and the Silent Bogs strap back, how they get onto the movie set? Yeah. And they're in the background. Yeah, I'm doing that. Right. So you're like rounding out a shot or you're walking by. Or... Yeah, just for fill, yeah, filling out a shot to make it look as natural as possible. Yeah, okay. I did that for, for a couple of weeks. And that transitioned into working on set behind the scenes. Yeah, basically behind the camera. So I've done pretty much everything that's administrative behind the camera so far. That's cool. And, I mean, we're pretty much already into it, so we'll just keep going, I guess. What – I mean, obviously I know because we'll probably get into it today that you've always had a lot more creative interests than people probably realise, but how did you get into that? Is that something you were even interested in or – Background extras or background work or film work? Just filming. I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. I've always wanted to play with cameras. Like, you remember back in the day when I was obsessed with putting my camera in front of everyone. Yeah, yeah. When the hands yeah. <laughs> and everything trying to get you to let me make a music video for you. Well, probably all bloody hopeless back then and didn't realise that you were being serious, so. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was just we were all a product of the time and the place that we come from. Um, it's yeah. a firm belief of mine is that the fact that we could grow out of it and move on to different things is a very big test. But not many people get to do that. Not many people get to get out of that small town mentality. I don't know where the fascination for film came from because I never took any interest in film while I was in school. Okay. Like I, watched a lot, I watched a lot of movies as a teenager, but I never decided to tell my parents I wanted a camera until I'd left school. Okay. It was like I sort of bought like a, a shitty little camera the size of my palm off of eBay in 2005 yeah. to film all my friends who were skateboarders and musicians and that, and we tried to make our own version of Jackass. If you're really good really good at Googling, there is still footage of me on the internet trying to be Bam Major and Drain Knoxville, and it's just terrible. <laughs> One thing I will say about you Wagga guys is that you were mostly fearless. Like, there was a lot of pretty cavalier activity going on up that way. Skateboarders yeah. and bikers, like, as in, it was a little bit more coffee and crumpets, the music scene in Aubrey. We weren't quite as... <laughs> yeah, it definitely felt like that whenever we came down to a gig at Soden's. Like, we like weren't you quite, knew... We weren't quite as crazy. We were there. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you you knew the Wagga crew were there when there was a gig at Stones. Yeah, people walking on the uh, balcony and throwing chairs. Yeah, screaming at each other with the sun's coming up still. Like, yeah, yeah. The film thing for me is being like a baseline of I'm a very visual person. I think it's why I like Instagram more than any other social media platform is that it's just it's a visual medium and I've worked out all by myself how to tell stories. I remember the first time that you were – like I noticed that you were kind of morphing into having a really strong eye for things. So I think when you did a road trip through Utah and that was after you'd, yeah. moved, after you'd moved to the States. And we'll, for anyone who's listening, we will probably go right back in a minute to explain how you ended up in North America. But I remember you just took some really incredible shots on that first road trip you did across – so you're basically mapping just below the Canadian border straight across. This most recent one, I went through the centre, more of the centre of the country. Yeah. And then came back across Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana, then Ohio. Yeah. I have, but I have done it that way that I came home, the way over there. I just wanted to go to the middle of the country, and it was the, – it was right in between those two shootings when I was between I was between Ohio and El Paso, like literally in the middle most point between the two sites, and the country was weird. Okay, right. It was a strange time to be in the middle of America. Yeah, I can. Well, I can't imagine to be honest, because I guess it's just not an experience that we have very often down here. Well, I've never had it in my adult life, as far as happening in Australia itself. So, yeah. Do you mind, Connor, if we just go back? We might talk about how you ended up in North America. Because- I know, I know how this, I know how this works. We can move around. Yep. With Wagga in general, I always had the feeling that you didn't one hundred percent ever feel comfortable in that town when I first knew you through mostly the guys in the band Subversion. Absolutely, absolutely. I fucking hated it. I still do. <laughs> well, that's pretty simple there. I, I I tried to cut like I'm more I'm more at peace with Wagga now that I'm older. But when I was young, yeah, I was doing everything I could to get out of there. Yeah. My problem was I kept putting the horse in front of the cut the cart in front of the horse. Yeah, and I, you know, I'd go a hundred miles an hour to getting out of it, and it'd fall flat on my face. So do you do you mind sharing maybe an example of what you mean by that? Because I'm sure we've all tried. I mean, I did that when I first moved to Melbourne. Well, yeah, it was. I tried to move to Melbourne in two thousand and eight, and you know, I was able to get, I was able to get a job and get a place and everything. But once I got there, all I did was party, and I never never paid rent, never paid any bills, and I basically had to come back six months later with my tail between my legs and yeah, uh, you know, bludge off my parents and then try and think of a more adult way to do it. Yeah. It wasn't until 2012 that I was able to actually fully make that move and make it permanent. I can't remember us ever trying to be as honest as possible. I don't know if you and I were ever as close as what I was with certain people that you knew and you were with those same people. Like we were kind of peripheral. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were. We were peripheral to each other, but we did have some good conversations in those early years. I remember when we? I particularly remember me and you having conversations when we did that shepherding gig when I got that first batch of footage from Florida State okay. in yeah, Shepherding. Yeah. yeah, right. That was the trip that we had. Do you recall when we went out and looked at a? It was the middle of the night, and there was a, an eclipse of the moon, and it was about negative ten degrees. We were halfway between 
Wagga and Junie on a road with our mutual friend Trav Sanderman standing out yeah, freezing. I remember, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first time I remember, the first time I recall us doing something where it was just the Subrusion guys weren't involved at all, like the guys in the yeah, band. Me, you and Trav, yeah. I remember that, that Eclipse photos. That was, I could only remember that because you mentioned it to me. That's not something that I would remember. But I remember it was so cold. I mean, nothing, it probably doesn't compare to the kind of cold you're used to now in Boston, but it was so cold that we had to get back in the car because it was, yeah. just, it was too cold to stand outside of the car. <laughs> Yeah, I think I can remember that. I think I can. And obviously you got out of Wagga and then maybe we'll dig into your first move to Melbourne. I knew that you were a a funny person and more so I think I knew that you loved comedy and comedians more than anything. Did you do any comedy in Melbourne? My first year was in Melbourne. Yeah, okay. And I came to Boston thinking that I was prepared for it. I fucking wasn't, man. No. You, you, you hear any story about a comedian spending time in Boston and, like, it, it's like they say, it's brutal. Comedy is one of my true passions and favourite things to think about and consider and just even consume Yeah. more so these days that I've found other, other ways to make money. I Like, there isn't any. Don't get into comedy, kids, if you want to make money. Like, it's not going to happen. You're going to have a miserable existence. Yeah, and with the Melbourne gig, I mean, I'm really more, I'm really fascinated. We'll talk about the Boston scene in a minute because it's super fascinating from a comedy nerd point of view. But with Melbourne, let's just say there's half a dozen important cities in the world: New York, Los Angeles, London, Montreal, Melbourne, and Boston. I mean, I'm not sure there's any comedy cities that really are as important as important as those cities are. And you moved from a giant city to another giant city, but you're saying yeah. you weren't prepared. Is that because of the you you it really does take twenty years to be good at it, like people say? You can't just do it for twelve months and be like Boston's known for being they're one of the least warm audiences in the world and if you're not good you're gonna find out that you're not good. There's no oh he's new. My problem has never been with the audience. It's been with my peers. It's always been with my peers in okay. comedy. Like that's the it's the politics of it. Right, okay. Um, Any time that I've done a gig with a bunch of townies or ba- like an actual painting audience, I've had a great time. Okay. Uh, I only ever run into issues when it's trying to get through that chain of gigs. Yeah, like open mic level so stuff. Where they let you go and do the stuff where you're actually talking to the people. Because over the, this side of the world, no one has this accent. And everybody hears it and they go, let's listen to the guy with the, is it a British accent? Is it Irish? Is it South African? It's always, the last thing they say is Australian. So I get a lot of things handed to me that I probably don't deserve because of that from audiences. Well, that's just part and parcel, isn't it? It'd be like the same as if you moved over here and you had the an, a really thick Boston accent. Yeah, it's, but at the same time, it's like I have, I have like a fish out of water perspective yeah. of this part of the world and pe- yeah. audience members love it. It's just getting through my peers. Like, so probably why I haven't done as much comedy lately is because the politics at the moment, it's... <laughs> we might just come back to that because that's interesting. With with Melbourne, do you find that... I mean, Melbourne's obviously... I mean, I don't think it's unfair to any other region of Australia, but to say that Melbourne is the mecca when it comes to comedy in our in, in Australia. I would say that Melbourne's the mecca of Australia. 
yeah on just in general front. sports just in, just yeah. in general yeah. Yeah. If you really if you really think about it like brisbane's a big country town perth's perth might as well be another country Adelaide's just methamphetamine in churches <laughs> and well, yeah. sydney's just the australian version of la that you need to have a car to get a real air and like Melbourne is feels more like a European city than anything. It's got all the sport, it's got all the culture, and it's got all the pretentious art types. There's lots of them, and it does have a pretty reasonable coffee. There, I met people from Italy who said, "Oh, you're from Melbourne? How you coffee? But you must love coffee." Yeah. Like they, there are people from Italy that know how good Melbourne coffee is. Yeah, so. With the politics, did you find, because I'm moving down to Melbourne and obviously the main reason I'm moving there is for family and then outside of that, hopefully some kind of career progression, but also the other reason is to do comedy more. Like, so I have an offer, if I want to get up and do five open mics a week or six, I can track them down and I have the opportunity to do oh, it. Absolutely. Yeah, there is definitely the rooms to do it. There, there's a, You can get up every night in Melbourne. Having now done some comedy and heard strangers laugh. I don't think I've ever, and I've played a lot of gigs in my life and some of them were important and most of them weren't, but the first time I heard strangers really laugh in a room, that was a yeah. that was a buzz and a high that I've never experienced and it made me think, ah. Oh. oh, well, you fucked then. <laughs> you're going to stop chasing that. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to be an angry political comedian to still to be able to make people laugh because not everyone in this room is here to hear my opinion on something that's happening in the world. Maybe they just want to laugh. Yeah, well, nine times out of ten, they're they're looking to be removed from the rest of reality. I mean, and it's like Jim Gaffigan was saying to Rogan, that was such a like you can't not be in a political state in everyday life anymore because it's all about politics. Even even in Australia, even in America, it's like hyper intensified in America at the moment that everything is about politics. Like every second conversation I even have with my wife is about politics. We can't just talk about normal shit. Like, let's just talk about Netflix and <laughs> the beers we drink and the brewery we're going to go to on the weekend and the film I'm working on. But no, it always like this. Used to be the six B's of separation from Kevin Bacon. It's now the six ideas separation from Trump. Like everything comes back to it. You know, it feels like we could just give each other a fist bump now, but you're on the other side of the planet. Still freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. No, I want to. I want to do this again. Now I know how easy it is to do this. Let's do this again. You've got a film, another film thing coming up soon. Is that correct? I'm or? working on. I'm working on a film for the next until the first week of October, but I'm open on the weekends. Right, we might see if we can catch you halfway through something. Just see how many eighteen-hour days you're in the middle of. I'm assuming it's going to yeah. be. A- <laughs> yeah. Peace, bro. See ya. See ya.